This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 201, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, September the 10th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 201. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Today is our reviews episode for the comic releases from the week of Wednesday, September the 10th. Um, this is going up on the uh, 17th of September, so uh, new comics have actually just come out, but what better time to look at last week's comics than now, right? Uh, first up, we're going to take a look at Amazing Spider-Man, and this is uh, issue number six. Uh, so this kind of ends the arc, I guess. Um, Dan Slott doesn't usually work in these larger arcs, but this time around with the inaugural arc on his new Amazing Spider-Man run, he did. Uh, our work is still by Humberto Ramos. Um, <sighs> you know, part of me kind of likes the issue, part of me doesn't. Um, I, I I read a lot of reviews, listen to other podcasts, and I have to agree that Silk almost gets too much airplay here. She's gets to be too much of a hero considering that she's kind of brand new to the world brand new to superheroing whereas spider-man himself is portrayed more like kind of a hapless idiot and it kind of makes you wonder how he survived this long we finally get to see the resolution of the electro arc although the depowering of electro feels like it kind of happens off panel uh j jonah jameson isn't the most interesting here like he he's gonna unmask spidey but doesn't even look at his face and then blocks the shot like it just feels very like really um, you also have uh, Cindy Moon taking a job uh, at uh, whatever this network is that uh, J. Jonah Jameson's working for, and it kind of feels like a little bit like, you know, on the nose, kind of like, oh, this is what Peter did, and also, much more recently, what Miguel O'Hara did when he went to go work for Alchemax as Miguel Mara. Um, Black Hat, once again, is being cemented as being this villain. Uh, Spider-Man, in some ways, seems a little bit like just kind of oblivious to what's really going on in in, uh, in the world and with his own company. Um, I don't know. I just felt like this wasn't that great an issue. I wanted to like it more than I did. The art, again, with Byramos is a bit of hit or miss sometimes. Mostly it's been hits, but uh, I was not that impressed with his art here. I'm actually going to give the issue a five. Um, again, the developments of Black Hat, I, I don't really like. She's suddenly so villainous. Um it just and Cindy Moon taking so much of the focus. I mean, obviously Dan Slott likes her; he created her, but the, to this degree is a little unnerving. Uh, so I can give that a five out of ten. Next up is uh, Avengers Undercover. This is issue number ten, also the last issue, and you know what? It feels rushed. Um, we spent like five issues of them getting into maybe becoming the Masters of Evil, and then the next five issues are too fast-paced because I feel like. This was supposed to go maybe for extra five issues, and the end, Hopeless didn't get it, and instead, it just feels super rushed. Uh, artwork here is by Ty Walker. Uh, I do like Walker's art for the most part. Um, it just the, the issue in general just feels too easy, too fast. Cammy able to do anything like it just seems too easy. Like I just feel like after all this, it just seemed to happen too easily. The ending was too easy with them all kind of having a happy ending, except for Arcade. Um, I just felt like it felt super rushed. The artwork was all right. It was enjoyable, but I felt the script just felt so rushed and it took certain leaps and certain things just kind of happened. And I found that maybe if there had been more time for the story to really gestate, this wouldn't have felt so thrown together and lackluster as a result. I'm also going to give it a 5 out of 10. And I'm being a little bit nice, I think, with both of those. Mm, Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Next up is Batgirl Futures End number one, which, I mean... 
I liked in terms of the script. The art I didn't like because I just don't understand why this is what Barbara Gordon looks like. I like the idea that two years from now she gets married. Uh, her her uh, brother basically ends up uh, being the reason why that he die that this uh, new husband dies and then we go to five years in the future and now we have a whole legion of back girls and i like that you know stephanie brown was using a costume very reminiscent of the one that she had in the pre-new 52 um you had luke fox's sister is now a back girl and it looks like the first pre-new first post 50 new 52 appearance of cassandra kane as a back girl as well kind of being as these back girls who work for the black beast uh, Bette Noir, which is Barbara Gordon. We have this kind of long flashback to her tutelage under Bane. Um, it felt in a lot of ways like this was Gail Simone's big send-off, which it is because she's not writing Batgirl anymore. And now we're going to go in a totally different direction with Batgirl. Um, I just wish I liked the art more. Um, you know what? Maybe it's not even that I don't like the art now that I look at it again. I think it's more that I just hate that costume that they decided to use. It was terrible. Um, the artwork was by Javier Garon. Uh, I thought, for the most part, it established a, a visual continuity with the rest of the series previously, and Gail Simone obviously is the writer, so there's a continuity in the script. I'm going to give it a 7. No, 6.5, I think, is probably more fair. I mean, it had elements of enjoyment. Uh, at times, I, I wasn't really sure. It redeemed itself by the end when he realized that she didn't really take Venom, but with a lot of these features and tie-ins, it just feels like they go a little bit too far uh, in some cases. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal. This is issue number 23. Uh, this is one of the issues where I'm not as big a fan of the art. Uh, even though I do like Dustin Wynn, it's just not to the style I, I enjoy most on this book. Uh, stories by Scott Snyder and James Tinian IV. Tim Seeley on script. Ray Fox and Kyle Higgins are the consulting writers this time around. And Dustin Wynn is on pencils. Um, we're seeing a lot more of kind of the Hush and Architect uh, elements. Also, you have a lot with uh, Catwoman and her, you know, possible lineage. And the, and if you've read, what, what was it, Batman 28, you kind of know about this, where the story's going. So it's not, a, in some ways, it kind of robs some of the surprises because we kind of know where it's going to go. Um, looks like Martial Law and Gotham City's coming next issue. Um, not my favorite issue. Again, I don't really get the Architect stuff because I never read Gates of Gotham, so that's kind of lost to me. Uh, the art is again not really to my taste, and not 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 to my taste, but for this series, it's not to my taste. Um, I'll give the issue as like a five and a half. I mean, it was it had a lot of elements I liked. It just again, I feel like there's so many storylines at times, and sometimes we'll focus on the ones where I don't care as much, like Catwoman and the Architect, because just because I don't have as much invested in there, but. And so we don't spend as much in the storylines I'm more interested in, and then the artwork falters as well. So it's that's what kind of happened here. Uh, next up is Batman Futures End number one. Uh, my problem with this, besides the artwork, um, which was not really my my cup of tea, uh, which was by Akko, uh, which written by Ray Fox with story by Ray Fox and Scott Snyder. Uh, I guess my issue here is that this doesn't feel like five years from now. This feels like like 15 20 years from now like batman looks so old and decrepit like considering he's what 30 35 tops in the current continuity and this is him 40 but he looks like a decrepit old man uh alfred even more so a lot of the issues just him going to destroy cloning experiments that lex luther's uh, launched while pushing himself and wearing an armor and then deciding to clone himself a couple years later or nine months later um uh, and activating uh, the memory implants into himself. I just found it very 
<sighs> pointless. What was the point of this? And it just and why was why does Batman have to be so old? And it just I felt like so inconsequential. It's this quick little done in one, just so that Batman can have clones. Um, and then pushing himself in this armor, I just I just found it not really to my taste. Uh, and again, even though all these one shots are for the most part going to be inconsequential, this felt even more inconsequential for some reason. And I'm not sure why. Uh, that's yet another five out of ten. That's a good week so far. <laughs> Uh, next up is Captain Marvel. Uh, this is I- issue number seven. Um, I, I just didn't really enjoy this. This is by Kelly Sue DeConnick and artwork by uh, Marcio or Marcio Takara. Um, I kind of I like these dream sequences, but other than that, I just felt like the artwork is very loose, not really to my taste. It was uh, the whole thing with the what was it, the Firkin or whatever Ra- Rocket Raccoon is calling, sorry, the Flurkin is calling the cat. Um, the fact that there's issues with the ship. I just found this so utterly forgettable. Couldn't wait for the issue to be over. Didn't really like the artwork. Uh, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10. Um, I just I didn't find it an engaging or interesting read. Rocket Raccoon is consistency, but I'm not interested in this particular version of Rocket Raccoon. I like the one that DNA developed, which a few writers are able to kind of tap into that certain wit. And I just... It's kind of like Deadpool. That Deadpool is a neat, a hard character to actually get right. A lot of people can write Deadpool. Are they writing him the best? No, they're not. They're writing him too far in one direction instead of being able to manage multiple directions, like someone like Joe Kelly, uh, or even to certain extent Daniel Way, maybe earlier in his run. But even then, like it's really difficult to write Deadpool. It's difficult to write Rocket Raccoon too. Uh, next up is Death of Wolverine. This is issue number two. Uh, I can't say I really care that much about this book, but. Um, the artwork's definitely uh, pretty. Um, it just feels like, you know, we're having a Magipur story, which kind of f- flies in the face of so many things. Like, so Wolverine's here. He's kind of James Bondish. He's got a cool beard. Um, he has an Iron Man helmet that he's using to kind of get uh, closer to Viper, who apparently is still leading Magipur, although I thought it was Mystique and Sabretooth, but whatever. I guess it doesn't matter. Continuity doesn't matter, right? Um Viper kind of is like, how, how could you let him get this close? It's Wolverine. How did he not notice? Sabretooth was apparently chained and like a monster. And I'm like, okay, like last month he was in a business suit and he was one of the leaders of Magipur. And now he's this. Like, uh, at least they tried to kind of explain why this was. But I just found it really like, come on. Like, are, do you not even care? And then, you know, uh, uh, Sabretooth slashes uh, Wolverine's eye. Wolverine's able to use the uh, Iron Man helmet to kind of stop Wolverine, you know, for for the moment. Lady Deathstrike shows up and beats the crap out of uh, Sabretooth as well. Uh, and then it looks like uh, the two of them are going to team up. And then, or maybe not team up, but then Kitty Pride shows up. The art's great. The story leaves a lot to be desired for me. I'm going to give it like a six, mainly because of the art. Because the art is gorgeous by Steve McNiven. Um, I just wish I enjoyed the story more. And... I maybe I kind of always knew I wouldn't necessarily enjoy it that much because it is kind of a very hackneyed like oh we're gonna kill off Wolverine now like I just feel like we all know what you're doing and we know who's gonna come back and who you, who are you fooling you're gonna spend all this time all this money getting us to buy these issues you're gonna have all these legacy miniseries these aftermaths and then he's gonna be back so kind of what's the point. Um, Next up is Edge of Spider-Verse number one, the first of this, I guess, anthology miniseries. Uh, this issue is all about Spider-Man Noir. Uh, it's written by David Hine, artwork by 
Sorry, David Hine and Fabrice Sapolsky did the writing, with Richard Eisenhove doing the art and also doing the coloring. Um, it is a gorgeous-looking book. In some ways, I think it was it was just a very period piece. Like the artwork really is very evocative of it. Mysterio being used as the villain was a smart choice as well. It just fits the time period so well. Um, I love. I love I love a lot of this issue until suddenly out of nowhere you have this stupid I forget his even his name this this character who's superior Spider-Man is going to be you know fighting in the Narn or something and I just thought that part I just didn't find engaging because up until then it was a great issue and then you had Spider-Verse just running rampant into it and that kind of made it less enjoyable right at the very end but other than that this was a, a really fantastic read um, and I'm interested to see more of Spider-Man Noir during Spider-Verse. So I'm going to give this an 8.5. I just thought it was an extremely strong read. Uh, considering the books I've reviewed so far, that's saying a lot that I finally enjoyed something. Uh, Fantastic Four number 10. This is written by James Robinson. Artwork by, I believe, Mark Laming, uh, who I don't really know that well. And it's you have a lot of, you know... Um, Sharon Ventura is she thing, and she's kind of running the show here, and she's working for someone else to kind of make the FF's life miserable. Uh, Reed's trying to figure stuff out. Um, uh, Wyatt Wingfoot's trying to snap some sense, talk some sense into uh, Johnny. Uh, Sue's trying to do her own thing as well. Um, the Scarlet Witch is going to be teaming up, I guess, with Boo Richards against uh, the new iteration of the Frightful Four that incorporates some of the Salem's most sinister magicians. Um... I'm still enjoying it. It's just not the strongest issue. Uh, I don't know why. Is there something missing? Although I do like that we have characters like She Thing being used. I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. The artwork wasn't quite to my taste in this storyline. Not as strong as I think it's been in the past. Next up is Magneto number 9. Talking about things that are a little bit uneven. Uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta is back on art. Colin Bunn is writing it. Um, I feel like, given what I've read of... What was it? Uncanny Avengers this week? Or, or that I've read of Uncanny Avengers that kind of doesn't make sense where Magneto is in this story, but Magneto goes to Genosha, uh, the Red Skull's there, he's flashing back to his own history, he's trying to save people, finding out that the Red Skull's using um, Xavier's brain, which you'd think he kind of would have known already, uh, and it looks like he's going to go up against the, the Red Skull, or at least he's, he's trying to bring himself up to him, uh, but he's kind of getting his butt kicked as well. Um... Interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I think part of this is going to depend on how he, Colin Bunn ends his story and not so much on how he starts it. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10, though, because I think there's definitely some merits here. The artwork was good. It's, again, not my favorite portrayal of Magneto visually, but um, I'm interested to see where they go with March to Axis because it definitely has some interesting potential. Uh, next up is Miss Marvel, and this is issue number, I believe, 8. Um this I I absolutely love this. Uh, this is just such a, um, a not even a guilty pleasure, just an absolute joy and a pleasure to read. It is just such a fun book. Um, I mean, this issue it, it's it's written by G Willow Wilson, artwork by Adrian Alfona. Um, my my fi- the the best panel in the world here is the first shot with Lockjaw. It just says, "Hello, my name is Lockjaw. I like hugs." And he's got like a bow on his on like underneath his his giant head. After last issue, like we knew that uh, Lockjaw was kind of going to be looking after Kamala, but we didn't know to what extent. And here he becomes her puppy, and it's the most freaking adorable thing I've ever seen. Just the way that Alfona makes Lockjaw look, uh, the way that um, Lockjaw kind of works with uh, Miss Marvel. Um, 
absolutely so much fun. Uh, the trials of, of trying to have a pet and convincing your parents to let you have a pet, uh, using said pet to transport you places, uh, giving her a method of transportation. This was really, really well done. Uh, absolute joy. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Um, if you're not reading Miss Marvel, you really should. It's just, it's just, it's just a fun book. It's different. It has a slightly different visual style, but it's just, a, it's a fun book that's, it, it knows how to have fun out of super heroics. Not everything has to be super serious. It's t- telling such an engaging, enthralling story, and it's delightful. Uh, next up is, uh, let's see, New 52 Features End. This is issue number 19. Ah, uh, the series continues somehow. Um, although it's interesting that things kind of feel like we're, we have different versions of characters here. We have uh, Batman Beyond doing his his best to break into uh, Terrific Attack, and they find out a little bit more about that that uh, plastique, why she's so screwed up, is that the, this the the zombie thing from the future is actually her, which is kind of crazy. I hadn't, I don't even know if I noticed that before. Um, in the present, we have Lois confronting Shazam with the fact that he's not really Superman. Uh, Ray Palmer is being tasked to kind of be the leader of the new Stormwatch. Uh, Slade Wilson and Lana Lang are trying to escape Cadmus Island, and then they kind of go up against uh, Power Girl, which is it's, it's kind of its own thing, and she goes up against 50 Sue. And then uh, Tim Drake is reading the news and finds out that uh, Shazam has been revealed as being the false Superman. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6. Um, it's middle of the road. It's not much more than that. Um, maybe even less. Next up is New Suicide Squad Futures End number 1. I actually really, really enjoyed this. There's something really strong about this book. I don't know what it was exactly, but uh, it's written by Sean Ryan. I work by Andre Coelho. I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, so we have, in the future, Floyd Lawton has lost his right arm. Um, and it's just like kind of got a stump there now. He gets rescued. He's in the bowels of Belle Reve, where he's been forgotten. He gets saved by Amanda Waller, who then... Uh, recruits uh, Black Manta, who's kind of had his mind messed with as well, because now he has Deathstroke's knowledge in his brain, but it kind of ended up frying his brain. Uh, but he is friends if you give him a fish stick. Uh, Harley Quinn has been given the venom extract, so she's monstrous. Um, so this kind of new fledgling team is being tasked to kind of break into this uh, into this facility and burn it all down. They go up against these weird kind of Joker twins. Um, who have been genetically modified and grown, they end up slaughtering uh, Black Manta, which I actually thought was really sad, because he just wanted a fish stick, and then he got slaughtered. Um, and it all comes down to Amanda Waller and Deathstroke uh, getting... Cl- sorry, not Deathstroke, Amanda Waller and Deadshot getting closer and closer. Uh, Deadshot goes up against a, a new, younger clone of Deathstroke, and they have kind of a brutal battle. Um, in fact, like... When uh, Deathstroke goes in for the killing blow, he tries to stab uh, Floyd, who then moves out of the way, so it goes into like his bloody stump, and he's able to then, because the sword is stuck in his stump, then hit the young slave in the face with it, and then grab a gun and then shoot his head off. Um, the way the the and the issue ended was part of what I loved about it was that you know he was buried so long, he was glad to be above ground. He's wondering where he's going to go now. He forgot that he, you know, sometimes he forgets that he's not dead, and he just kind of blacks out, and he could be dead, who knows, because that's the end of the issue, but it's kind of peaceful that, you know, he's he was he was stuck underground, he finally got escaped, not escaped, well, he got rescued, and was finally able to do something, and now he's dead, and he's kind of okay with that, and there's a strange peace to it, and I don't know why, but I just really enjoyed the issue. I mean, I read that, and I just was like, wow, the ending is kind of what makes the issue, so I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. 
Uh, next up is New Warriors, issue number nine. Uh, so this issue, this is an the series is almost over. Written by Chris Yost and artwork here by Tana Ford. Um, I like it. It's kind of a fun uh, Justice and uh, Scarlet Spider story as they go up against this kind of monstrous uh, kind of ma- mascot uh, who's trying to, to kind of be not take over, but trying to be uh, the hero, but is coming off more as a villain. Uh, finally, that it, it, and it's just kind of a fun Justice Scarlet Spider team up. It's just unfortunate the book's almost over, so it kind of makes you feel like maybe it doesn't matter i'm gonna give it eight out of ten though for those who read the scott spider book this definitely kind of revisits some of those characters in houston and i think that's what makes it a more uh, important read or more interesting read and uh next up is nightcrawler number nine by chris claremont and todd knock on art we have the crimson pirates involved you have uh nightcrawler and this uh this new mutant not new mutant but this uh student he's uh, kind of teaching that he's working with i forget his name though um anyways they have a great kind of a fun time it's a fun issue because it's this great team up between nightcrawler and the student and the students kind of tr- getting to kind of be a superhero and seeing what that's like and uh, i just find the whole issue is just so much fun to see how claremont can can still do it claremont can write a good story his take on Nightcrawler so far has been fun and enjoyable. It's been, um, I guess fun is, is the best word because it's not light and fancy free per se, but it's kind of a, a recapturing a, a fun sense that I feel like you can read this comic and just kind of go. You don't need to know that much about Nightcrawler and his backstory, and it's not tortured. It's just him kind of finding his place in the world, and now he's a teacher and figuring out what that means to him and how he's going to be a teacher. And uh, I just thought it was really well done. And uh, Todd Nock is a good choice. He has He's able to kind of uh, nail that fun sense of adventure. Uh, I know people don't expect a lot from Claremont these days. And to be honest, with a lot of good reason. But I just really enjoy this. Um, so that's an 8 out of 10. And last up this week is World's Finest Futures End number 1. Which is okay. Except for the fact that it doesn't quite make sense when you compare it to what's happening um, in New, Future, New 52 Futures End. And... Uh, in terms of, I guess, the costumes and what's going on with Power Girl. Uh, but Power Girl here is, it's cool that she's kind of looking for, um, uh, what's her name? Helena, uh, Helena Wayne. Um, she kind of goes up against Deathstroke. It just, she does a lot of things here. Goes up against 50 Sue. And yet, all of this is so completely different from what we get in the new 52 Futures End, which takes place at like almost like a different point. Like, they've never fought. Like, when they fight in New 52 Futures End, it's like the first time they've ever gone up against 50 Sue and Deathstroke. But here, it's like it's the first time. Like, which one's the first time? Because they kind of take place at t- different times, different circumstances completely, and yet they overlap. And how so? Like, I feel like editorial oversight has to be better than this. The issue itself isn't bad. I'm going to give it a like a 7 out of 10. I actually liked it and the stronger focus on Power Girl compared to New 52 Futures End. But I just thought... Like really, there's there no continuity oversight in a month like this. Like you have some of the characters that are going to show up that have also been showing up in the main book. Maybe there should be some discussion. I don't know. I just expect more. Um, anyways, that is the rest of everything that came out uh, this week. Uh, if we look forward, uh, or really to the present, to September the seventeenth, uh, we'll look at the new releases that came out this uh, this week as we speak. Um, and what are some of the kind of the highlights of what's coming out right now? Uh, so we'll get to that right now. 
So, the highlights this week include the following. Uh, from DC Comics, we'll look at them first. Uh, we've got, obviously, the features and tie-ins for Batman and Robin. Uh, you have the new issues of Batman Eternal. Uh, you got uh, Batman, Superman, Batman Features End. Sorry, Batwoman, my bad. A new issue of Fables. Uh, you have the Forever Evil Arkham War to paperback, which was actually a really enjoyable story, so I would definitely recommend that. Um, we've got... Uh, a Godzilla trade paperback called uh, Awakening. You have the Justice League Features End tie-in. Uh, we've got the new issue of Multiversity, The Society of Superheroes. Uh, we have the new Teen Titans trade paperback, Volume 1, as they continue to go back and once again re uh, reprint the original uh, New Teen Titans by Wolfman and Perez. Uh, we've got uh, Red, Hood's, uh, Red Hood Features End tie-in, as well as Supergirl, Superman, Wonder Woman, Teen Titans, Trinity of Sin, and Wonder Woman. Uh, when we look at uh, let's see Marvel, we've got uh, new issues of All New X-Factor, All New X-Men, uh, Avengers, which is the, the start of the Time Runs Out event. Uh, we've got the, uh, for those who are buying uh, Avengers by Hickman in trade paperback form, we've got the Volume 4 Infinity coming out, uh, Avengers World number 13, Daredevil number 8, you have the Deadpool biannual number 1, stupidest title for a book ever, Edge of Spider-Verse number 2, which I believe is supposed to have the Gwen Stacy as Spider-Man story. Uh, we've got a new issue of Elektra, Hulk, Hulk I'm really excited just because I'm really enjoying the current run. Uh, Nova Original Sin 5.5 is that's finally over. Uh, Savage Hulk number four, which I think is the last issue of the Alan Davis uh, storyline in Savage Hulk. Uh, you've got uh, Submariner and Original Horde, Human Torch trade paperback. Superior Spider-Man 33, which is another Edge of Spider-Verse uh, tie-in. You have uh, the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man by Bendis trade paperback volume five. Uncanny Avengers 24, which is the March to uh, uh, Axis, sorry. The third trade paperback on Uncanny Avengers, Ragnarok Now, is finally coming out, as well as the Uncanny X-Men 26, the Uncanny X-Men Premier Hardcover Volume 4, which is Versus Shield, and the uh, from reprint-wise, you have the X-Men trade paperback Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, although if I would call it anything, it would be the early days of Cable, because it's less about their adventures, Cyclops and Phoenix, and more about the early days of Cable, because you have the Ascani Sun miniseries, and a sort of different series that kind of patch in the history of uh, Nathan... Nathan Dayspring, Ascani, Sun, Summers, and I think he has other names in there as well. Anyway, that's everything coming up this week. Our next episode will be episode 202. Not sure what that's going to be. Hopefully that will be coming out in the next few days, um, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. It's uh, crazy to think we've had 200 episodes now, and now it's the long march to 300. Uh, so uh, I hope you'll join me for that long march. And uh, thank you for joining me for episode 201. If you want to email me, you can do so at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and as always, post in our HC Realms thread as well. If you have any ideas for what you'd like to see in the, in the future on the show, please let us know. I'm happy to do kind of fan request episodes. We did one in the past where I took a look at um, where kind of the DC Universe had been up until that point, just because someone had said, like, if I was to jump into DC, where would I do that? Can you do kind of a retrospective of where the new 52 has been so far and i looked at a few different titles and kind of talked about ones that were kind of uh the ones that they don't want to miss uh so if you have any ideas about what you'd like to hear me talk about on the show just suggest it and i'm happy to kind of do uh listener requests uh so thank you for joining me for episode 201 and we'll catch you next time Bye bye